Hey there, Solar Bears fans. It is Thursday, July 28th. You're listening to episode 100 of Bear Tracks, presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. The Spit and Chicklets crew has taken over New Amsterdam Vodka to create a spirit inspired by Ryan Whitney's favorite drink, award-winning New Amsterdam Vodka mixed with fresh pink lemonade. The result is an exceptionally smooth, great-tasting pink lemonade-flavored vodka. Take your shot with Pink Whitney, proud Solar Bears partner and the presenting sponsor of this fantastic podcast. A hundred episodes. Started this way back in March, April of 2020 when it was just an idea, something to kind of keep us going through the pandemic. And here we are, 100 episodes later. Man, crazy. Two and a half years, roughly, since we started this. So, uh, big thank you to all of our listeners, of course, here as we hit the century mark for episodes. And, of course, Big thanks to all of our players, past and present, uh, for their contributions uh, as guests and as well other personalities throughout the hockey world that have jumped on uh, at various times, and of course, front office members as well. It's been eye-opening to learn a lot of stories uh, from some of our players, and you'll hear from another player, former player of ours, uh, but first, some Solar Bears news. Last week, the Bears technically, uh, with their first player of the preseason joining the roster via a trade Uh, the solar bears sending future considerations to the Adirondack Thunder to acquire defenseman Jimmy Mazza uh, who has played the bulk of his career with Adirondack and Redding in pro hockey uh, played it at Canisius for his division one hockey tenure also played a little bit in the USHL uh, with the Youngstown Phantoms so ironically enough our guest today is a former Youngstown Phantom Uh, But elsewhere, of course, uh, we talked during our last episode about some of the big free agency moves uh, in the NHL. A couple former Solar Bears on the move. Mason Marchment signing a four-year deal with the Dallas Stars. Uh, Of course, our hearts go out to him and his cousin Jake uh, as Brian Marchment, longtime NHL player uh, and executive with the San Jose Sharks uh, and Mason's father, unfortunately passing away just prior to the NHL draft, but Mason Marchment on the move, cashing in on a big payday after a breakout season with the Florida Panthers, now playing in Big D. And then, of course, uh, Stanley Cup champion Darcy Kemper signing a deal with the Washington Capitals. So he goes from Rocky Mountain High to D.C., and he is going to be playing inside the Beltway for the next couple of seasons uh, and commanding a hefty payday as well. So congrats to him. Uh, A couple of other former Solar Bears on the move at various levels. It looks like Aaron Luchuk, if you haven't been paying uh, enough attention in the last couple of weeks, he is signed overseas in Europe. So the former leading scorer from the 2021 season uh, for the Solar Bears, uh, one of the most prolific scorers that we've had on the roster through 10 seasons uh, is taking his talents to Europe. So we wish him and his wife, Kylie, all the best. Uh, And then you look elsewhere and there are some other Solar Bears alums that have also kind of progressed on in their careers. Uh, Jimmy Huntington re-upping with a qualifying offer with the Nashville Predators. So perhaps there's still a chance that he could maybe make his NHL debut this coming season with the Predators. Uh, Then you've got Uh, some news that could affect the Solar Bears 
in the sense that the Syracuse Crunch signing goaltender Jack LaFontaine to an American Hockey League contract for one season. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning already have four goaltenders under contract for the current 2022-23 season. So it stands to reason then that LaFontaine, who left the University of Minnesota midway through last year to sign a one-year contract with the Carolina Hurricanes, who had originally drafted him, uh, saw some time in the NHL along with the American Hockey League, Chicago Wolves, and with the ECHL's Norfolk Admirals. Uh, But I would hazard a guess that we likely see LaFontaine in a Solar Bears uniform for at least part of the coming season. Now, as for signings, uh, we are on the cusp of beginning to announce some of those signings. So uh, that should help crystallize the situation in net as well as other positions. Uh, As of today's episode airing, uh, the only player on the roster for the coming season is Jimmy Mazza. But rest assured, head coach and general manager Matt Karkner has been very busy. And I think a lot of Solar Bears fans will be pleased with some of the uh, returning players, some of the additions uh, that will be joining the roster for training camp uh, heading into 2022-23 for his first season at the helm of the Solar Bears. But with that being said, we're going to turn things over to our guest for today's episode. uh, And we'll let Alex Gasick, take it away. Our guest on this week's episode of Bear Tracks, presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka, joined the Solar Bears midway through his rookie pro season in 2016-17. And during his three-month stretch in Orlando, he ended up leading the team in scoring over that span with 29 points in 26 games. Today, he remains in hockey as the assistant coach for the Wentworth Institute of Technology at the Division III level and is in the process of completing his master's degree in business administration from Southern New Hampshire University. He is number 19, Alex Gasek. Gaser, good to have you back here, man. Hey, Jesse, thanks for having me. It's great uh, catching up again. Absolutely. So uh, as we said, you're you're right now... Uh, Present day, you're you're still in hockey as an assistant coach. Uh, after your pro career wrapped up as a player, you you jumped right into the coaching ranks. You started one year at St. Anselm College, uh, and then the last couple of years, you've been at Wentworth Institute of Technology. Uh, what has that been like getting into the coaching world and transitioning from your playing career? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it was a little different. Um, I know I was I love hockey. Um, you know, my first love. And, um, I always know I wanted to stay within the, within the, the game of coaching or, you know, obviously playing as long as I could and then, uh, transition from there, but, um, a little different, you know, kind of being on behind the bench now, uh, kind of, kind of keep your emotions in check a little bit more. Um, and you know, you're a leader, um, within the locker room, the guys look to you as the you know first point of communication, um, you know, dictate the tone of, uh, the locker room, stuff like that. And um, now it's it's been great. Been uh, lucky to give back to the game that's given so much to me and um, built, I've built a lot of relationships uh, with my players um, moving forward. You know, I find it funny that you say you have to kind of keep your emotions in check. You were a guy that only picked up 18 career penalty minutes in the <laughs> ECHL. So you got, you did a decent job of staying disciplined. I, I know you like chirping guys from the bench, but outside of that, I mean, it, it seems like you've made the adjustment fairly well. Yeah, no, not, not so much, uh, you know, yelling and screaming or, um, you know, being 
uh, temper, but just kind of having that even keel, no matter what, what type of the game is, you know, go up, you know, late, um, you know, by a big goal, you're not getting too high, you're not getting too excited, or if you're down late, you know, kind of stay, stay in the course and um, kind of keeping that mentality the same throughout that 60 minutes. Um, you know, hockey's an emotional game and, um, you know, it, it can take swings at any given time. So just kind of staying keel. It's kind of my mind for that. Won't be in the penalty box at all or anything like that. Haven't picked up a, a coaching minor yet either. So, um, you know, that's what I meant by that. <laughs> so let's kind of jump back to, to, to where it all began. You grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, and at, at what point, How I mean, it's New England. Everyone kind of plays hockey up there at some point or another for the most part. Who got you your start in hockey? How did you kind of develop that love for the game? And, and what led you to progressing to, to, to teams such as the Governor's Academy for U.S. Prep and then uh, eventually kind of the EJHL with the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs? Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, hockey here is is huge, um, especially uh, you know, being a Bruins fan and um, living around the Boston area. Uh, kind of how I started was um, oh, no one in my family has really played hockey. Um, from what I recall and what my parents were telling me was, uh, I was watching a Bruins game on TV, and then I wanted to, you know go skating or try hockey. And then from there, I kind of just fell in love. Uh, my parents couldn't really pull me off the ice. Um, I only lasted about a week or two on a crate um, on the learn to skate and um, just kind of fell in love uh, since. So, um, you know, luckily, you know, started with that, you know, very fortunate with my family uh, to, you know, be given the opportunity to play, um, give me, you know, the early mornings, the, um, you know, countless number of weekends and stuff. Uh, so I've been very fortunate with them and it's, uh, you know, brought me to, to prep school, um, around, um, you know, in the New England area. Um, and then, uh, the monarchs as well as, you know, as you mentioned, and, um, you know, just kind of slowly kept, uh, you know, climbing from there. Uh, I'd love to love the sport still do. Um, one of my, I guess good traits that I believe I have is a, I'm a hard worker and, um, you know, instilled that from my family, uh, as a young kid and just been lucky enough to keep working and working. And, and, uh, here I am now. Ultimately your hockey career, uh, took you to the, to, to juniors. You played ironically enough under former solar bears, head coach, Anthony Noreen with Youngstown in the USHL also had a brief stretch with the Indiana ice, uh, during the 10, 11 season, uh, what was that adjustment like for you? And, and what did you find maybe were some of the biggest challenges for you uh, coming out of, out of the, the junior Monarchs program and the U S under 17 team and, and making the jump to the USHL, the top level of uh, junior hockey in the United States? Yeah, no, it was um, definitely um, kind of eye-opening. Um, you know, for me growing up, I was always a homebody. Um, really close with my family. And then, um, you know, I needed to take the next step, uh, you know, personally and uh, develop, you know, and, and in my uh, hockey development. So I wanted to, to move away, you know, to make sure, hey, I can do this. I can be away from home. Um, and that was uh, a little bit of a, an eye opener. Um, you know, 
you know, I had to, you know, learn to cook, you know, on my own. I mean, I had billets, but, um, you know, they were taking care of me. And But I wanted to be a little bit more independent rather than, you know, kind of relying on my family. And, you know, that took a little bit out of me and, um, you know, had to deal with injury on my own. Um, you know, just a lot of stuff with that. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. And, uh, you know, Anthony was a, you know, big big part of that. I think honestly, um, looking back at my time in Orlando, I think that's who actually ended up training for me, if I remember correctly. But I think he got let go, I think midway through the year, um, and up with uh with Drake. Um, but um really appreciate Anthony and um you know and that experience of of growing uh kind of away from home. There is kind of a a when you look at Youngstown, the number of players that that team has produced that have gone on to play at the college level or advanced to to some level of pro, it really is impressive. Uh, probably the easternmost team in the United States Hockey League. Uh, and when you look at that that team, just if you can, I mean, it seems like you guys were kind of out on an island there when it came to to travel. How, how did you guys kind of uh, pass the time on the bus and how, did, how were you able to to get through all of that? Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it's a tough place to play as far as travel. Um, especially they were, they came as a North American league franchise before. And I think my, my years there were kind of the, within the, definitely the first five of the transition to the USHL. So, um, you know, a little tough to, you know, to get that open and, uh, get that ball rolling, but Anthony great. And, you know, it's kind of starts with the guys, um, you know, on the team, former, uh, uh, solar bear as well. Chris Bradley was on the team then. Um, so for, for fans and whoever's listening that know, knows Chris, he's an unbelievable guy, and, um, you know, special guy. And, um, but just kind of, you know, cracking jokes, making light of it. Um, it's a lot easier going through it with, with people rather than kind of by yourself. And, you know, if a bus breaks down or uh, something like that, you know, we had the, you know, kind of an upbeat locker room to kind of make a light of the situation rather than dwell on the negative. So, uh, but, you know, playing cards, cracking jokes, uh, doing everything kind of under the sun and just pass the time. You talked about being a homebody a little bit, and obviously USHL, probably a big change, as you kind of mentioned, being away from the New England area. A lot of New England guys who grow up, uh, they dream of playing college hockey one day for Boston University, Boston College, Northeastern, Harvard, or or University of Maine. Uh, You kind of took a different route, though. You went and joined the Brotherhood, Miami University of Ohio. Uh, If you can... I think that's it's something that you hear about. It's alluded to. Uh, I know John Butchergrass is a big proponent of the Brotherhood at, at Miami. Uh, but if you can uh, explain just why the appeal, what was it about Ohio that that led you there, and what made that program so special during your four seasons on campus? Yeah, no, it's uh, you know great question. Um, I didn't have a kind of a dream school that prototypical like Boston guy would have Um, get the nail on the head. A lot of people want to go BCBU, a bunch of schools around here. And um, I didn't really have that. And um, during my process of kind of recruiting, I was open to anything. And um, 
Miami gave me a call and I wanted to, you know, check it out. Just, you know, do my deal, due diligence and make sure I got everything uh, kind of squared away before I made it, uh, my decision and kind of went out there and uh, fell in love. It was uh, the campus was beautiful. It kind of reminds me of New England with the brick buildings, you know, the scenery, the four seasons. Um, but what really attracted to me was uh, the coaching staff as well as uh, the guys. Um, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the brotherhood. It's, uh, you know, for the outside people, it can be just a slogan. But, you know, if you've lived it, um, you know, with all the people that have been there, um, it's, it, it's, it was special. It was the best four years of my life uh, to date. And I would do it over again in a heartbeat if someone asked me. Um, just everything. Um, I'm actually going out uh, to a wedding um, in, in a week now with for one of my old teammates, and um, you know we're it's going to be great. Um, they'll be picking up right where we left off, uh, you know, as seniors there, and um, we still all kind of keep in touch. No one's really, um, you know, life moves on. Everyone's working, but we all try to you know stay in touch at least a couple times a month and. Uh, group chats and stuff like that but um that was a you know it's a special group in a special place if you can what what is kind of the the genesis of the the brotherhood when, when did that identity start for miami or where can it be traced to good question um started you know with rico uh rico blasi the head coach um he came in he was uh uh you know, a super young coach and alum, and he put a lot of time and effort into, um, you know, the program as far as, um, you know, getting a new rank, um, all that type of stuff. And obviously getting some national recognition, um, you know, along the way. Um, I don't know when, you know, exactly the, the beginning was, but um, getting there, um, getting the right kids and getting the, the people to buy into the culture of, all right, I'm going to leave this place better than I found it. Uh, just kind of trickled on for class to class. And, um, you know, that's uh, where it is today. And, um, you know, super excited and super thankful to, to be a part of it. You were part of the program during an interesting transitional period. You guys your freshman year were in the CCHA, which in the last year has come back. Uh, mm -hmm. But then the CCHA kind of dissolved for a couple of years and you guys jumped to the NCHC. What sort of changes came with that, that you were able to notice from a player perspective on ice and off? Yeah, no, great question. Um, there was CCHA. We ended up um, winning the, I believe it was the regular season uh, championship the, our last year. And um you know, with that, um, you know, school and, you know, the NCHE conference kind of wanted to take, uh, you know, a next step. And, you know, that was probably, you know, the, probably the best hockey, you know, could be, you know, a part of, uh, you know, since that conference has been uh, introduced, there's countless of number of teams then seen double a tournament, um, countless number, you know, Denver, for example, just won the, um, NCAA uh, championship. Um, there's no easy night in that conference. And that's what, you know, helped me prepare for, for life after hockey and, um, you know, the accountability that, 
you know, you can't have a weekend off in, in general. So it was uh, definitely an eye opener uh, as far as the conference. But um, in my opinion, it's uh, the best conference out there. Uh, ultimately, you were able to turn pro at the end of the uh, at the end of the 1516 season. You signed with the South Carolina Stingrays. Uh, but it was a, actually I should, before we jump to that, you talked about a regular season championship in the CCHL, your junior year in 14, 15, you ended up taking the NCHC championship with Miami. What was that year like for you guys? That was, uh, it was pretty, pretty special. Um, you know, especially the year before, um, you know, not many people, you know, unless, you know, would know this, but we were ranked in the preseason number one, uh, my sophomore year. And for whatever reason, something wasn't uh, clicking for us. And, um, you know, we didn't have, uh, you know, that good of a year that we should have had, especially being ranked number one, whether it was the pressure, um, guys weren't ready to, you know, for the roles to take that next step or whatever. Um, so we put, you know, the, the core guys kind of put in, uh, you know, a lot of hard work, especially uh, the seniors that year and our class, we probably made up, gosh, probably 22 players there, the seniors and juniors. And, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, eye-opening that summer, hard work and, you know, putting, putting that work in that time, it was great to, you know, get a championship with those guys. And again, that's, you know, also just adds to the experience at Miami. Now, did they give you a ring for that conference championship? Yeah. It's something yeah, that we, you kind of keep on the mantle or how often yeah, do you break yeah. it out? We got, uh, we got two rings, one for you know, my freshman year and that, that year as well. And, um, you know, so, yeah, so it's good to have the memorabilia, have, you know, a couple jerseys as well that can kind of go down memory lane, uh, you know, when I, when I walk into them or, you know, make eye contact with it. And, um, you know, anytime I look at it, I always get a smile on my face just because of a, how good of a time Miami was. You look like a guy that's kept in shape since your playing days. How often do you have to make sure that the ring needs to be resized or is it maintained in its <laughs> form? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, you know, you're right. It's, uh, I, it's long as, as long as I, you know, I don't, um, doesn't get too dusty. That's all I care about. Um, you know, I'll keep it on, on the shelf, but, um, I won't really wear it as well. That's just kind of memorabilia. Um, but just as long as it's uh, looking nice and shiny, that's all I care about. <laughs> Ultimately, as we said, you, you turned pro with South Carolina originally in the ECHL. Um, what was kind of the, the conversations you were having that spring and summer leading into you signing your first pro contract? Yeah, no, it was, um, it was interesting. I know, um, Ryan Warsawski was the coach then, and, um, he's, soaring up the ranks um i heard just the other day he was a finalist for the uh the sharks head coaching job yeah exactly so um you know him being a boston guy steve birkin uh was the assistant coach there being a boston guy um kind of felt comfortable going there and um heard great things about the organization you know obviously charleston's a beautiful city um you know helped me with that and um it was you know it was different it was uh something that I kind of had to, you know, earn my time just because, um, that group was a veteran group and, um, you know, they, they really relied on their veterans and, 
um, which is great. You know, I think all organizations do, but it was kind of something that, you know, I can't, you know, kind of get used to, you know, playing every game at Miami going into, you know, I got to earn, you know, it's kind of almost start over or my time or my keep at, uh, you know, when the lineup was, was great. A um, little bit of adjustment, but after once I felt confident and um, understand the program a little bit more and how to be a pro, um, I thought I had a pretty good first year. Now for that first year, you're, as you said, you were kind of biding your time a little bit, kind of feeling your feeling things out your first pro goal here's kind of irony wrapped in multiple layers yeah you're as you alluded to earlier anthony noreen made the initial trade sending max nicastro to the stingrays in early november for future considerations you scored your first pro goal the game winning goal i should add in a 3-2 win over the solar bears at orlando on november the 13th that ended up being Anthony's last game before Drake Barahowski was brought in. You were ultimately traded to the solar bears in late December, uh, about a month and a half after Drake had been brought back um, in. So flash forward to that trade where you step into the solar bears locker room for the first time. Uh, I believe it would have been for a game against Greenville on December the 30th. Uh, what, what kind of how a how did it feel to get that first pro goal knowing now how things kind of played out what what are what are your thoughts on that yeah it's you know it's funny it's a you know small world and you know funny how kind of you know stuff works out but uh you know always getting your first one is uh you know something you always remember um just gives you confidence that you can play at the level um you know especially if things aren't going too well at the beginning or you know kind of you're fighting adversity or whatever, um, something like a, you know, a goal or a big shift or, you know, you can earn the more ice time and then, you know, just slowly build confidence from there. And, um, you know, from that, from that moment, um, that was probably where I kind of say, you know what, I can do this and, um, you know, kind of took off from there. So that was, a uh, I always remember that goal. And I always remember that kind of the weight kind of being left off the shoulders, uh, um, you know, to unleash a little bit more confidence from there. Also, I mean, you, after that goal, you scored in an additional four straight games, right? after, <laughs> So a five game goal scoring streak. Yeah. It, so it got you going, uh, flash forward to late December, you step into the solar bears locker room. Uh, and I know there were a few home games initially, but then you guys go out for a pretty big swing in Colorado and, and Alaska. Uh, when you join the team, as you said, you, Going back to your Youngstown days, you had Chris Bradley, a former teammate in the locker room there. Uh, in terms of the room you stepped into, what was it like uh, jumping into that room? And then early on, uh, finding yourself being a kind of a key part of, of the offense for the team. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was different. It was, you know, just when I thought I was getting used to South Carolina, at, you know, getting shipped over to Orlando. And, um, you know, it was good. It was uh know opportunity that i could step in and um when drake pulled the triggers you know they needed some guys from you know i think it was a couple of injuries a couple of call-ups and um you know we needed a guy to come in and um obviously earn the ice time and um uh, and stuff like that but there was going to be a you know big opportunity that i would be able to and that's all i was kind of um you know looking forward to 
I know uh, before I knew uh, Craner, Chris Crane, uh, he played at Ohio State, and uh, I didn't know him you know, personally, but just not playing against him and um, throughout college. And so he helped make the transition uh, a little bit easier. And, um, you know, especially being on the road, it's, it's tough to call guys up, especially when you're in the Midwest. And um, I think that's when I kind of um, – really kind of caught fire for Orlando and um, I can focus, you know, there's not much to focus on um, when you're on the road. It's just hockey or kind of food. And uh, from there where, you know, at home, you got to worry about your apartment, the upkeep, uh, you know, potential, uh, you know, family coming to visit you, stuff like that. Um, so from there, just probably having that, that long road, road trip uh, really helped the one thing that kind of jumps jumps to my mind is I remember the, I think it was like a three and four or three and three in Alaska. We had the, the last, the last game I think was like in the evening flash forward to like an, uh, in, because of the time difference, I think it was like a, I think you guys left the rink and went straight to the airport, but there was a, there was some sort of issue with like the names, not properly matching the the tickets or something. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it being down to the wire. I'm in the office early in the morning, trying to make sure that the airline has the information that they need for whatever reason. How, <laughs> how close were you guys to, to missing that flight? It was, yeah. From what I remember, it was, it was tight. Um, you know, it's uh, especially flying, you know, in the South house, you, yeah, you know, we took the bus everywhere. So it's a little different if, um, you know, because you can drive, but missing the flight, doing the, you know, the airports, the check-in luggage. Uh, I remember that was a, that was a headache and, uh, you know, we, we all made it, but it was uh, just something that, you know, you can laugh at uh, looking back at, um, you know, from that trip. <laughs> Uh, ultimately, uh, the, you kind of progress through the season, a couple of three point, four point games. Uh, how, how much do you feel that first year that, that you were able to adjust from coming out of college and, and jumping into, to pro, I know there was a brief adjustment period in South Carolina, but by, by the end of the season and, and following the, the trade to Atlanta, I mean, where did you kind of feel, uh, when you look back on, when you were able to look back on that first full year as a whole, all encompassing, did you feel that, Hey, like I've got a good handle on, on things here or, or did you still feel that there was more to prove? Yeah, no, it was, um, as far as the league and, you know, it was, it was a whirlwind, you know, being on three teams in a, in a year is you know never easy kind of getting used to different locker rooms, different coaching styles. Um, you know, but that's again, part of being a pro and, uh, you know, felt like I've had success at, you know, everywhere I went, which, which helped, um, you know, obviously as a player, you always, you know, you know, no one's really satisfied with anything. You always want to prove something every time you hit the ice. It's a, you know, in my opinion, I do it as a clean slate, uh, you know, whatever you did last game doesn't matter. It's whatever your, you know, game you're in, whatever shift you're playing, that's what, what you got to prove. And, um, that was kind of my mentality uh, as a pro and something that I've learned uh, from other guys. Heading into the 17, 18 season, you got to do something that uh, 
that not many people can can do that that come from New England and and though it may have been in the preseason you got to put on a Boston Bruins jersey for a preseason game what did that mean to to you yeah no that was uh pretty special especially being a hometown team um you know I don't know if it had to do anything with it but Atlanta was the farm team uh, at that time for the Bruins and um you know with that being the um you know, part of the trade, Andy told me that, um, you know, if you continue to have a you know good year, I know it's been tough on you and, you know, potentially might be out of the playoffs here, but if you continue to have a, you know, good year, you know, you can potentially, uh, you know, start the next year, um, you know, start, you know, up in, up in Boston, uh, with the preseason and, you know, that, it was tough on me, you know, being the, you know, the 13, but that gave me some, uh, some mo- extra motivation and, um, you know, something that, you know, like I said, I always want to prove something. I always wanted to, you know, obviously play in the NHL and, um, especially, you know, just being around, uh, that hometown team was, uh, was pretty cool. That, and, uh, memory I'll never forget. And I imagine you probably had a couple of like, uh, like training camp, practice sessions at the warrior ice arena which had only opened maybe two years prior state-of-the-art facility what was it like to kind of step into that locker room uh for the first time yeah it was uh starstruck it was uh it was pretty cool um kind of running into you know guys like Zidane Chara, Brad Marchand and you're like oh man this is uh pretty cool and um at the time one of my college teammates was playing there as well so that that made it um you know an easier transition to kind of keep my head straight. Uh, I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, kind of being on time to get, you know, obviously want to be in time. It's just more of like uh, I can rely on him on, you know, how to, how that level works, uh, what I have to, where I have to be, um, you know, instead of get lost within the rink, I would say this room is right over here. Um, this is where you need to be. Obviously, you know, be early and be prompt, but, um, just kind of going through that experience with him uh, was uh, pretty special too. Well, speaking of that, I mean, as a local guy, were were they putting you up in a hotel, or were you just saying, "Hey, I'll just drive in from from home every morning for for practice"? Or yeah, I, I mentioned that. Um, I'll say, "Hey, you know, I'm only maybe thirty minutes, forty minutes away. If you know, if you need me to do, uh, you know, uh, come from come from home, but uh, I got a hotel." Um, which, you know, helped with the, you know, training camp, meeting the guys, um, you know, kind of just building relationships there. So that definitely helped. And, um, you know, thankful for that organization, uh, for the opportunity. And um, like I said, it was a, you know, experience I'll never forget. That year, the Gladiators, as I recall, got back into the playoffs under Chuck Weber. Uh, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you kind of hit some some injuries along the way. Uh, at what point did you know that it was time to ultimately hang, hang up the skates? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you don't want to go out, uh, you know, being hurt. But it was, uh, um, you know, the that time kind of being away from the rink and, um, you know, did a number on me as far as mentally and, um, you know, still love the game and, um, you know, given it, you know, felt like I'd given everything I could to, to the game and, uh, just felt like my body was getting tired, kind of run down and obviously, you know, was battling a bunch of injuries and, um, uh, decided to, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, hang up the skates from there, but. 
From there, though, you kind of made a, a quick transition into your post-playing career. Uh, the following season, you you spent your first year as an assistant coach at St. Anselm College. Uh, you guys made it all the way to the finals of the the conference championship that year as well. What was it? What was the process like where you were able to where you were able to jump into that assistant coach's role? How how long were you kind of researching? that that potential career path and, and what connections did you have that kind of led to that opportunity? Yeah, no, that's a uh, good question. I was, um, you know, I got back. Um, I kind of stayed, I stayed throughout Atlanta um, the whole time kind of rehabbing. So that also kind of played a part of it is when you see the guys on the road, uh, um, you know, got a little lonely and, you know, it was tough to keep finding that motivation and stuff. But um, when I got home, I kind of, did a, did a deep dive, did a, my research on, um, you know, do I want to stay closer to home eventually, um, as well as, you know, potential, some hockey, uh, opportunities, um, you know, coaching wise and, um, had a bunch of, uh, friends who are alumni at St. Anselm college and, um, spoke nothing but great things. And, um, Larry Roca was the, the first year head coach there. And, um, gave me an opportunity to, to be on a staff and, um, you know, was pretty much kickstarted my uh, coaching career and, um, had a good, uh, good experience there. Following year, you moved on to the Wentworth Institute of Technology. Same time, you've been kind of working on your master's at, at SNHU. Uh, how have you been able to juggle, you know, remaining a student while also coaching students, uh, in your role as an assistant coach? Yeah, no, it was tough. Um, I actually, um, I started, um, my, my master's, um, went right when I got hurt, um, in Atlanta, I was, you know, I had a bunch of downtime and, um, you know, I was kind of looked at, looked in the mirror and say, you know, I gotta be productive with this time. And, um, you know, kind of took classes on and off throughout the, uh, the process. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's been tough. It was a little, little shaky getting back into the school, having a couple of years off, but, um, finally, you know, there and, um, we'll graduate in August. Um, but it was a little different, you know, sometimes the reliance asked a couple of guys to, uh, to help me out some, uh, um, some classwork and cause their, their brains are fresh being in school, but, um, no, it was, uh, it was good. And, um, kind of made me realize how, how special being a college athlete is as well. So with your day to day, what, what does your role at Wentworth kind of look like? Uh, I know you also kind of work uh, in the co-op department for the school. So you're helping create and foster connections between uh, alumni that are currently in the industry and, and helping students that are on the cusp of graduation transition into their postgraduate careers, get that first entry level job. Uh, what, what sort of skills that maybe you picked up from, from playing hockey all of these years have kind of lent itself to that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, it's great. I love, um, you know, part of my role is to, you know, like you said, touch the alumni that are working within the city or elsewhere. And, um, also, um, you know, connect with just companies that, might be interested in hiring our, our students. Uh, we're a big engineering school, construction management. Uh, so it's, you know, a little bit more focused on, on um, you know, those particular majors than a, 
you know, another school, but um, it's been great to, you know, one, connect with alumni, um, you know, and just kind of build those relationships. That's something that um, I feel like I pride myself on is um, being a easygoing, uh, easy to talk to person that I can connect with you more than um, hockey, more than uh, just potential trying to hire our students, um, you know, and from there, just hopefully those things end up coming to fruition. But, um, you know, being a team player, um, you know, developing those relationships really have uh, helped me uh, with that career. Uh, ultimately, looking at your time at Wentworth, uh, you began your first year with the, the program was the 1920 season. And ultimately, uh, COVID kind of shut sports down, not before you guys in your first year got to the CCC championship uh, against Endicott, ultimately just coming up short, but still pretty impressive uh, for your first year in the program to, to get that far as you did. Uh, and then the next year, the entire NCAA D3 hockey was just kind of shut down as a result of the pandemic. How difficult was it kind of starting up again this past season uh, after basically a one-year layoff? Yeah, no, it, it was tough. It was um, kind of threw you out of your rhythm. Um, you felt like, you know, I had, a, you know, literally a full year off that, you know, we had to jam something that from in the last year that we were supposed to implement into this year is almost kind of a two and one. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it was an interesting learning experience, you know, as a player and a, and a coach, um, you know, and ultimately, I, you know, I would like to, looking back, would have liked to do something a little bit better as a staff and uh, as a program, but um, it was a learning experience and, um that uh you know that i'll always take with me uh within coaching so before uh before we wrap things up gay sir i just i wanted to to ask you about this because i somehow never realized this when you were a player in orlando and i think it, it is certainly worth mentioning you had kind of the entrepreneurial spirit uh, as a youngster, you had your own lobster fishing company. <laughs> so explain this because I just got back from a trip to Montauk, had myself a nice, uh, a nice Connecticut style lobster or Connecticut is, is hot lobster, right? I don't know about Connecticut. I did. Um, I did Maine. I was a Maine. It was a Maine. Okay. It was cold lobster. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was going to say the North, North is colder. I got, I got it all backwards. I, I'm a Maine lobster guy through and through, but so Walk me through this because I am very, very intrigued and I have to imagine some of our listeners would be as well. Yeah, no, it was, um, that was kind of something that, uh, my father and I started, we had a boat, um, and that was kind of what I would do for kind of like my college money and, uh, um, you know, trying to earn, earn some money for college, uh, in the summertime, we would go out on the boat. Um, we had about 80 lobster traps, um, and we would spend, you know, almost all day kind of hauling in lobster, uh, being out on the water and, um, you know, kind of bonding uh, as a family out there. And, um, you know, we would, you know, cater to, you know, some weddings, uh, sell lobsters around the neighborhood, um, some families and friends. And, um, you know, I was a little spoiled getting the fresh lobster. So I'm a little... Uh, little bias kind of eating it now just if it's a um 
you know, if it's not fresh, but, um, it was something, uh, you know, pretty special I got to do with my family. What are some tricks of the trade then that you can maybe give to some of us that, that aren't able to catch lobster on our own? What should we be looking for when we're shopping at the the local fish market? What's what, what are some of the things we should keep an eye out for? I and mean, down here in Florida, it's probably slim pickings. You're probably relying on more Gulf lobster than Atlanta, sure. but, but who uh, knows? Yeah, no, it's, uh, as far as, you know, I don't know what to look for. If there's any, anything in particular, the big thing for me would be, you know, how long it'd be, you know, in the tank and whatnot, just cause there are, you know, it's way different than being in there for two, three weeks rather than coming fresh out of the ocean. Um, but for me, the, um, you know, my favorite part of the, the lobster was the, was the claw, um, you know, so that's for me, it was, you know, rich, sweet and, uh, um, you know, definitely, hopefully, uh, people, if you haven't had lobster, definitely would try, uh, the climb, uh, go from there. You know, I'm a big proponent of the lobster roll. Uh, but of course there are a variety of different applications for lobster meat, lobster ravioli, lobster mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Maybe what's one dish that you think is underrated that doesn't get enough, uh, enough respect. That's a good, great question. Um, you, you, you said it right there at the lobster mac and cheese, um, especially cut something coming, uh, fresh. It's, uh, uh, it's a no brainer. It's, it's super good. Um, my mom was, a um, big cook into that. Uh, we would just, like you said, try to find different dishes to, you know, other than your traditional lobster roll, you know, we would just try all different ways to, um, incorporate it. And the lobster mac and cheese was, a um, was a hit in our household. So, um, good call on that. As far as experimentation goes, what was maybe a recipe that your mom tried with lobster that maybe didn't, uh, wasn't a hit as, as much as you would have expected? Um, can't be, uh, making fun of my mom's cooking, but, um, it was, we had, a um, we just tried it with, um, gosh, what was the we did, we, you know, normally we do, you know, uh, like sometimes we do a surf and turf, um, you know, some steaks some lobster, you know, usually to kind of close out the summer. Um, we ended up going with, uh, um, someone who was coming for the party was, uh, uh, wasn't into red meat. And so we ended up just going with just, just basic, uh, just chicken, um, so, but I would definitely not recommend just lobster and chicken, um, you know, as far as your quote unquote surf and turf it has to be with the, with the red meat, in my opinion. <laughs> I would have to agree with you there. I, I just can't wrap my head around the concept of chicken and lobster in the same, in the same yeah. entree, but to each nope. their own, I guess. Um, yeah, exactly. But in any case, uh, Alex Gasick, uh, former member of the solar bears during the 1617 season great catching up with you uh all the best uh to to when you receive that diploma next month uh and beyond that you know anyone you want to give a shout out to or any uh final remarks uh, you want to leave us with here before we let you go yeah no thanks uh jesse for having me and um you know thank you um solar bear fans uh um you know some of my you know favorite times are there where kind of the promotions and kind of meeting you guys uh, off the ice and, um, you know, being there f- for us on the ice was, was pretty special. Um, the first responder game in general was uh, one of the, my favorite 
pro games uh, that I'll always remember. And, um, you know, a couple of my friends, uh, Ross Olson now is a current solo bear. Um, you know, he, uh, we, we used to train together when I was playing and um, right when he got traded, we kind of gave a call and, you know, uh, I would talk about how, how good of an organization, how great of a city and, um, you know, special Orlando is. And, um, you know, it's a, keep being you guys and it's a, it's a special place, uh, special place to play. Big thanks again to Alex Gasick for joining us for this week's episode of the Bear Tracks podcast presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. As always, you can keep up with the latest updates by visiting OrlandoSolarBearsHockey.com. Follow us on social media via Facebook, on Twitter at Orlando Hockey, and on Instagram and TikTok at Solar Bears Hockey. And for all of your Solar Bears necessities, visit OrlandoSolarBearsHockey.com slash shop. That'll do it for episode number 100 of the Bear Tracks podcast. Here's to 100 more, and we thank all of you for joining us this summer uh, as we approach opening night for the 2022-23 season, October the 23rd against the Jacksonville Iceman at the Amway Center. It's going to be a good one, and we hope to see you there. Till next time in episode 101, this is Jesse Liebman. And you've been listening to Bear Tracks by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. We'll see you guys in two weeks.